0: That's the gospel, that's Genesis to Revelation right there, amen? I also love our kids. Our kids grew up in this church, and my kids love the church because you love them. God bless you. If you're up to third grade kids, if you'd like to worship in children's church, you can go ahead and be dismissed. And we're grateful. We think it's a big deal to be in the house of God. Give them a good hand. Will you do that? All right. Some of you men, you're really funny. I see you act like you want to get up every week and go to Children's Church, Grant. I see you back there. Okay. Hey, open your Bible if you have it this morning and join me in the book of James. This is our last sermon in this series entitled Faith That Works. And I hope that you have been challenged and that uh, we'll go out on a strong note this morning being challenged. Uh, God did a work in the first service A number of folks spoke to me after the service Saying this message was right for them And I have a feeling it might be just right For some of you sitting here today So let's go to the Lord in prayer Lord your word is inspired and powerful and almighty It's a word that cuts coming and going So I pray this morning that I would rightfully divide it That I would preach truth And then we would decide what we're going to do with the truth So help us all this morning make a decision right now That we are going to be obedient to the Spirit this morning In whose name we pray, Amen Amen Last week we looked at how can I grow in my Christian walk? Specifically, how can I grow in being a more patient Christian? Or how can I endure more gracefully as a believer in Jesus Christ? And often the lesson is taught in what we'll call the waiting rooms of life. Today, beginning with verse 13... James challenges us, all of us, in this walk of Christian life. He challenges all of us to recognize the importance of being part of the family. Now, I'm going to read the text, verses 13 down, and then I'm going to challenge us to thank the Lord for our earthly family And I'm going to call all of us to take a good look at the importance of our spiritual family, being part of the body of Christ. Beginning with verse 13, I read Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins." The title of the message is The Importance of Family. Now, you may be able to choose your spouse. But you didn't get to choose your kids. You may be able to choose your spouse, but you didn't get to choose your brother or sister. God had something in mind so as he closes this book about faith that works what does that mean that when you give your life to Christ in essence listen when you get saved it's not a Sunday morning only faith it's to be lived out 24 7 wherever you go whatever direction you go wherever God allows you to travel or to be placed at work or to live in a neighborhood Wherever you go, God is calling your faith into action, and that is to be on action for him, to be a living faith that people see Jesus in you. But isn't it interesting that he closes out this, not only this chapter, but the book of James, by the importance, listen, not just of a physical family, but the importance of our spiritual family. Look at verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Here's where we begin. Number one, as the body of Christ, as the family of God, as First Camden, we are to lift each other up and we're to celebrate the good times together. Amen? We're to lift each other up, and we're to celebrate the good times together. Now, uh, listen. Oftentimes, it's hard to lift each other up because you and I are proud. And I sure don't want you to know that I, I'm struggling. I mean, after all, most of you think that I'm uh, super Greg. Uh, I laughed one time and we met some kids at Walmart and one of the girls said, Brother Greg, I didn't know you wore jeans. As a matter of fact, it even gets funnier when it comes to the church family. We just found out, Jamie Mondello, thank you for calling Kyle. Kyle, my son-in-law, is going to coach a little league team in Camden this year. Last year, we were going to sponsor a team and because of the COVID, the league, the season was canceled, so they just rolled our sponsorship over to this year, and Jamie called Kyle and said, Kyle, how would you like to coach First Southern Camden's team? Do you know what Kobe said, my grandson? I've always wanted to play on that team. I love that, I love that. Uh, Carl Carl Crouch coaches uh, most of the time our soccer team, and I think Kobe, when he would see the church name on the soccer team, He just wanted to play for that team he could care less if it was Pat but I love the fact that he wanted to play on that team you see we're talking about the team this morning we may look different on the outside but here's what's brought us together what we have sung about this morning the cross the blood the resurrection uh, the victory that we have in Jesus I love the lyrics of that song that talks about uh, the Spirit of God lit the church that's what I'm talking about. As we come together, God calls us not to be independent riders and rangers. He calls us to be on this team that is willing to lift each other up, but it's hard, isn't it? Because you and I don't want any don't want anyone to think that somehow we struggle That somehow uh, Brother Greg and Renee Not always got the A marriage going on And and the relationship with kids May not be always what it should be and, And there's just daily struggle In our lives Anybody will say amen? The Bible says Is anyone among you suffering? That's a question for us to answer this morning Let him pray Now last week we talked about Patience and growing and enduring. Remember the words of Peter in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. But but you'll know this, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You see, oftentimes we allow our pride to keep us from going to the one who can change things. And because of that, our pride will keep us from going to other brothers and sisters because we surely would never want them to think that we're struggling. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Matthew 25, 11, you're familiar with it, verse 28, come to me all you who labor and are of heavy laden and I'll give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what Jesus is saying. What you're going through may not seem easy and light, but what I am is the strength you need to pull you through this. You can count on it. Because when you gave your life to me, Jesus says, you become part of the family. Now, many times, as the family, the body of Christ, we hide the pain. We don't disclose it. We might be embarrassed because of something that's happened or shame from a past decision. It might be something we've created or it might be something that someone else did and we're just paying the price for it. It may have been a decision of a family member. It may, be, may it be a decision of a child, and every parent I want to listen to you, or li- I want you to listen to me, and I'll listen to you. You cannot control the decisions of your adult children. But you better control the decisions of your children that are turning into teenagers. because if you don't, the world will shape them. And you'll wonder why they're standing there arguing with you, not listening to what you say. Folks, you better get a grip on them when they're little. Don't you let, listen, don't you let junior, don't you let that teenager talk you out of going to church on Sunday morning. You get their britches up and dressed and let's go. That's the way it's got to be because we're living in a counterculture that wants every bit of our kids. And if we're not careful, we're going to lose them by default. But you can't control the decisions of your adult children. But you can pray for them. You can call them out to God by name every day. And ask God to surround them and ask God to help them and ask God to pick them up. Listen, those of you that have raised kids and now we're older, we know what the struggle is like raising kids, amen? You might be here and say, Brother Greg, we don't have an extra dime because it's taking everything we have to raise our kids. That's the testimony of most adults in here. Man, you just try to get by. When Renee and I, when we became your pastor, I had no clue what self-employment was all about. I always worked for somebody who paid my taxes. So the church said, we're going to write you a check, and it's, it's, it's up to you, Brother Greg. It's your responsibility to make sure you pay your taxes out of what we pay you. So in those early years, Renee and I thought, well, we've got to be disciplined. How are we going to do that? We need to set aside that money every week from the check the church gives me. So we, we got a cookie jar, and we put that tax money in the cookie jar. Here was the problem with the cookie jar. Let's go to McDonald's after church. Drew would say, <laughs> Drew would say Dad, we better go to the cookie jar. Now here was, what do you think the problem with the cookie jar was, Dave? At the end of three months, when you went to pay it, Dave Solander, I thought I put more in the cookie jar. Anybody with me? What am, I, what am I saying? Every parent in here knows what it's like to get by. That's part of the family. That's part of the earthly family growing up. But we don't want anybody to know we're struggling. We're suffering. Sometimes we want to protect uh, our family or, or protect ourselves from what's happened, so this is what takes place. Listen closely. We begin to isolate ourselves. Someone on the prayer chain, those of you on it saw it, wrote these words, pray for me, I am battling depression. I want to tell you honestly over the past year I've dealt with it a little bit Renee continually asked me or tells me will you let me know if you feel like you're depressed folks over a year ago it seemed like yesterday that Dean Kettering was my photographer videographer and I stood and addressed the church on a sunrise service video do you remember that and I thought we would be back together before long and soon and what we all are going through, listen, is the same thing that our lives have been turned upside down and are we going to get out and when are we going to get out and and I have senior parents that haven't physically been back to church they watch it every Sunday but they haven't physically been back and, and they were with a hundred senior adults every Thursday at 11 o'clock you might be here this morning and feel like the loneliness of, of The burden of loneliness is on you as heavy as it's ever been or you may be in a family that's got kids running everywhere you may be retired you may be young and single and you're still battling this time of depression and being down and wondering what the next step's going to be that's why it's important that we're together and that we lift each other up and then we celebrate the good things because he is faithful, so we don't want people to know that we're suffering that we're struggling, the devil makes you think everybody else is perfect, everybody else's marriage is great, everybody else's kids are obedient everybody is healthy, but we come in here this morning let me tell you, fractured lambs dysfunctional families, anybody want to say man help me what, we say, Brother Greg, why are you saying that? Because I, I, know, I, I know us. That's the way life is. Life is not perfect. It, it doesn't always fit together. My parents are into jigsaw puzzles like crazy. I, I don't know what's happened to them. No, I mean you go to their house, they're going to the middle bedroom, pulling them out from the bed. Puzzles have been put together so you can see them. And, and, and Dad will tell you how hard it was. But he, he's figured something out. If he gets to the last piece and it doesn't fit, I'll make one. Okay? Because life is a puzzle. Years ago, I have an old pickup truck. Some of you have seen it. called Old Blue. And Drew backed into a tree in our yard. I'll let you just figure out that. Okay? The, the tailgate never worked right again. So Mark Cottle said really Greg bring me your truck I can fix that tailgate he had it a few days and brought it back and said my goodness this is the worst tailgate I've ever worked on but we finally got it fixed every time I open that tailgate and lower it I think a Mark Cottle fixing something that was damaged and every time I look at your life and I want you every time you look at my life to look at a life that's been repaired by the damage that I've caused only by the grace of God we're part of a family look at what the Bible says verse 14 is any among you sick is any among you sick let him call for the elders of the church let him pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord number two we need to ask others to pray not only for us we need to ask others to pray over us over us now the Bible uses the term anointing them with oil we recognize that oil doesn't have a special supernatural power it has symbolic power when it comes to prayer years ago when you let me go to the Holy Land uh, olive oil is is the greatest olive oil in the world comes from Israel and I, I had to bring some of that back and and I thought I'm gonna bring something back that I can use when I'm asked to pray for people like this in, in James 5 and I, f- I found some rows of Sharon in the same place where they made olive oil brought that back and and we've been asked a few times we've been asked with leaders before and often deacons to go to somebody's house and and do this. The picture here in scripture of elders is the, where the word presbyteros means elderly. It's where we get uh, the elder, the mature believer in the life of the church, the, the leader spiritually. It's where that picture of uh, someone from the Sanhedrin Jewish leadership would come from. Is any among you sick, the Bible says? The word there is not just diseased, but weak. And I have a feeling that over this time, as the person on the prayer chain was so honest and transparent, that many of us have grown weary through this. I'll tell you how we know this. When we first started the online broadcasting now realize people are back to church and those numbers should go down but they've gone down drastically I'll just ask you the question how many of the services do you watch on Sunday night or Wednesday night online don't raise your hand, don't, don't shout out but I would say it's probably decreased from the time that we began because there was such a fascination with this stuff we, be, we began as a church you all know with nothing and uh, Nathan by the grace of God, God brought us Nathan Johnson and he said we can, we can do this on a phone and and Marsha did some research as Marsha does research and said I think YouTube's our best avenue and lo and behold all those things started to come together and and uh, and thank God for a cell phone in 2021 that's what was able to capture video pretty good But even those fascinated with the technology of online services are recognizing there's more to the Christian life than just watching, but it's the interaction of being. In Mark chapter two, go ahead and turn there. Leave your Bible marked here in James. In Mark chapter 2, I want to read a familiar passage because it's really about faith. Because this scripture in James says, let them pray over you, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. That's what the Bible says. And the Lord will raise them up. If he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Well, when you go to Mark chapter 2, Let's read this uh, familiar story one more time. Verse 1. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Okay, let's just stop there. Capernaum is where Jesus did a lot of his earthly ministry. And when you go there, it, it says, there's a sign that says something like the hometown of Jesus. We know that, that he grew up in Nazareth, but it, there, it was at Capernaum where he was really ministering in those public days, those three years of public ministry. And don't you love the last statement in that verse? And he was in the house. If you leave today and you talk to your family and talk to friends or talk to coworkers tomorrow, how did church go And your response was Jesus was in the house, then we hit the target. We hit the target. You see, when you hit the target, other things happen. After Halloween this year, we had six pumpkins. Didn't know what to do with them, so I just staggered them in our garden, and they've become targets for shooting practice. Those pumpkins are now flat, and I have a feeling when growth starts to take place, we might see some plants that we didn't plant. Anybody with me? You know why there will be some pumpkin, wild pumpkin plants somewhere in that garden? Is because we hit the target. And that's what happens in your life, the fruit that spreads out. And when we hit Jesus, when, when he's the target, when we come together and it's about Jesus and you go to work and you say, I, I can tell you what, Jesus was in the house. There's going to be growth that you didn't even know you planted because of his faithfulness to his word verse 2 immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer to receive them Hey, don't you long to get back to that we're so full there's not even a seat let me tell you we can help you out come at 830 amen and he preached the word to them anybody who visits this church deserves the word of God being preached from this pulpit. Verse 3. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when he had, they had broken through, they let the bed down on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith... He saw the paralytic and said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, let me tell you what I don't believe this is teaching. I don't believe this is teaching you're saved by somebody else's faith. I believe this is saying you've got to possess that kind of faith to be saved. You've got to put yourself in a position for Jesus to touch your heart. And and one writer said it this way, Every person... Right field, right center, left center, and left. Every person needs four crazy friends. Some of you are saying I'm covered. You know what that tells me? That in the life of the church, we need to be those four crazy friends. Now, put your, just, just visualize this. Jesus is teaching When you taught in the synagogues, you would face Jerusalem. Jesus is teaching. And all of a sudden, something drops beside you. Looks like as best a shingle. And lo and behold, here they come. Whatever they could do, making a way to get to Jesus. I'll tell you the difference in me and the Lord. I'd go, we're going to have to repair that. The Bible doesn't talk anything about that. The Bible, matter of fact, the focus is on the man. And when Jesus is in the house, the focus is going to be on him. When the focus is on him, supernatural things are going to take place. And when supernatural things take place, people leave changed. verse 6 says some of the religious crowd the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts why does this man speak blas- blasphemies like this who can forgive sins but god alone but immediately when jesus perceived in the spirit that they reasoned within themselves uh, here's another big difference in jesus and you and me he could he could hear people talk without saying a word he knew what their hearts were thinking he answers the question what do you reason about things in your hearts which is easier to say to the paralytic your sins are forgiven you or say arise take up your bed and walk now that's a loaded question here's some of my thinking on it anybody can say your sins are forgiven I believe anybody could say that that doesn't make your sins forgiven but when you say arise take up your bed and walk every eye now is watching to see if you can get up and walk Jesus uses this as a teaching moment and says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He says to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, went out in the presence of them all. They were all amazed, listen, glorifying God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. You know why? Verse 1, he was in the house, he was in the house. We need to ask others to not only pray for us, but to pray over us. Now verse 16 says, go back to James, verse 16 says, confess your trespasses one to another, pray for one another that you might be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The word confess here means to acknowledge. It means to agree. If you want to be saved, the first thing you have to do is recognize you're in trouble. For many people, that's the hardest step. I don't need to be saved. I'm a good man. And we, and we value our worth based on how good we look next to somebody else. We're not saved by the standard of how we line up against somebody else. We're not some graph where our color, our blue, is higher than somebody's red. God doesn't work that way, we're all on the same level playing field. But this is a prayer that has conditions. The effective prayer, the fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous woman avails much. Uh, Effectual and fervent, they're almost the same meaning, to be active, to be efficient to be mighty, and there's one condition, a righteous man. How do you become righteous? You confess your sin, you repent of your sin, place your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and the Bible says when you do that, you are what Scripture says, you are saved. Amen? I believe in the video this morning, there was a line that said something like this. The gospel going forward is telling a lost person that someone's trying to find you. Isn't that awesome? That I'm lost, but I know that someone's looking for me. And you see... When we come together as the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, who not only pray with each other but pray for each other, uh, we, need to be, uh, we need to be careful and recognize something. Number three, I need brothers and sisters that I can trust. So if I'm going to confess my trespass to somebody... If I'm going to share with someone a mistake I've made, sin I'm in, if I'm going to share with someone uh, regrets from my past, I need to be very, very careful that I can trust that person. And when someone confides in you, you need to make a commitment right there that you will be someone that can be trusted you need to be one of those crazy friends. I need to be one of those four crazy friends. And the Bible says it's it's a condition on your relationship with God. Let me talk to you about a a righteous man in the Old Testament. His name was Elijah. He prayed for over three years. It didn't rain, and it rained when he prayed and and called on it again. God used him in both ways. It didn't make him popular. You remember his little run-in with, Jezebel and her husband. You recognize that God was doing a great work in his life. Uh, As a matter of fact, in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 24, this is said of Elijah Now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Truth. You need brothers and sisters you can trust. The greatest search and rescue mission ever came from heaven. And God came looking for you. Amen? God came looking for you. Our neighbors came over yesterday or Friday, and uh, they were walking their dogs on leashes. And you know dogs, there are two kinds of leashes. The kind of dog that you would put a, or leash you'd put a poodle on, and the kind of leash you would put a strong dog on. And uh, they had both of their dogs, and I said, Oh, are these yours? And she goes, Yeah, this is one. It's kind of a bulldog. And, and I, so I reached down, and, um, you know, I've, I've been watching Caesar the dog groomer. And, and, and he says, Don't put your hand up in front of a dog, you know, be low and let the dog come to you. And I did that, and that dog was fine. And she goes, And this is a rescue that we got. And it, it wasn't, but it had that big strong head, you know, kind, it wasn't a pit bull, but it had that head. And then I did the same thing with it. And when I did this, the dog stood up like on my chest. And I recognized the power of that dog. And I recognized why that leash has to be like it is to control it. Friend, let me tell you something. There is a dog hounding you wanting you to think that you can travel this journey by yourself, you don't need anybody, you can isolate yourself. Listen, the pandemic eventually is going to go away, but there is collateral damage that has been done and is being done because now many folks are sliding into the pit of depression because we never thought it would last this long. And I want to tell you, preachers have been right there with you. James challenges us to live by faith. We are accountable to the Lord, and we're accountable. The Bible refers to us as the body of Christ, the family of God. So I'll close. Number four, look how this chapter ends. Brethren, verse 19, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. Number four, be bold as you give grace. Grace. I mean when God gets a hold of someone's heart their eternal direction changes. Hell to heaven. When someone gets a hold of someone's heart you get hope that replaces heartbreak you get grace instead of judgment unconditional love replaces what's in it for me and I'm telling you James James is the Amazon of Bible books because he does go from A to Z he does help us realize that Jesus is the life changer and we need him and as the bishops used to sing a song I need you more today than I did yesterday so I want you to bow your heads, and I'm going to ask a very transparent question this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm, not, I, I'm begging you not to look around, and I, I simply want to ask this question. I wonder if anybody in this place right now is there battling Depression. And if you are, I want you to stand right where you're at right now. Just go ahead and stand. Amen. God bless you for being honest. Anybody else want to join? Brother Greg, I am battling depression. God bless you. And I want to remind every one of you standing, you're not alone. You're not alone you got a church family on your right and on your left. And we need each other. Here's the second question. Go ahead and remain standing, if you will. Here's the second question. Is any among you suffering? Anybody hurting in this place today? If that's you? I want you to stand. Join these. Just go ahead and stand. Amen. Amen. God bless you god bless you god you know every heart it's as if we're the only ones standing right now and god I recommit my life to you right now as a Christian and resubmit surrender my heart to you right now and ask you to cleanse me and forgive me and to help me to not be selfish but to trust you every step of the way I want everybody to stand right now if you will. Somebody in this place may need to give their heart to Christ. You might need to be saved. So when we sing, I'm going to stand and invite you to come. I want you to come to me. And in a minute we'll have a time of prayer and you can settle it. You might be beside somebody that just needs to pray I mean just just tug on your spouse or your friend or your family whoever's there with you and say will you go with me and have that person come and pray over you here's the invitation God you you see the need in this place and my prayer is that from this point on right now right here today that there would be a newness in my walk with you, that that I would cast my eyes on Calvary in an empty tomb and not let the overwhelming circumstances of life and this sickness put me to the point of depression and isolation, thinking I can handle it by myself. So Lord, we're going to give an invitation and just see what you want to do. Let's make sure that we're obedient to the Spirit this morning. Would you have your way? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.